Hello and welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is episode 115 and we're reviewing Your Name. As always, there'll be spoilers throughout this episode. I don't know if I'm ready for all of the feels that are part of this movie, but I am really excited to talk about it because we've had Your Name on our list of anime movies that we wanted to talk about at some point and finally we've gotten to it. Especially since I think this film was added to Crunchyroll's library just this past fall. I forget which streaming service it was on before. I don't even know if it was on a streaming service before that was accessible. But yeah, this was a a great time to return to this film because we've actually seen this film before, like a couple years ago, before we started this podcast. Yeah, so it was nice doing a rewatch. So yes, it's not a fresh first time viewing for us it is a rewatch I remembered a decent amount about the movie but not every single detail so it was nice to go through that experience once more and watching it a second time is always nice because you get to take a a more of like an an analytical approach Mm -hmm. to the way that you're viewing it versus just trying to absorb the show or the the movie the first time around But before we dive into your name even further, we do have some exciting things that we want to share. First and foremost is a huge patron shout out to our newest patron, Gunther D. Woohoo! Thank you, Gunther, for showing us your support and for joining the Strictly Fam on Patreon. We will definitely remember your name hey that's a nice (laughs) tie-in but yes thank you so much for your support we really appreciate it um we're excited to have you as part of our patreon family and uh hopefully you enjoy the the content that's on there it's a really great community so um we're excited to have you and if any of you would like to support the show and get access to things like our bonus episodes our pre-show that we have weekly our show schedule if you want to find out what's coming next or even submit questions for us to answer on our podcast then head over to patreon.com slash the strictly series and equally exciting is that carl and i have a guest spot coming up on simping for senpai podcast yes uh, we joined ash from simping for senpai to talk about a topic that many people in the anime community love to talk about and that is husbandos yeah husbandos (laughs) let's go so we each of us listed our Top five husbandos in anime, and we just discussed and gushed over why we love them so much. And so it was a really great conversation. It's always a great time talking with Ash. Uh, We, or actually, you had him featured as a guest in our strictly anime review of Shield Hero Season 2. Yes. And then we met up with him again through the Anime Brothers podcast where we had a waifu bracket tournament. So, like I said, it's always a great time with Ash. He definitely has a great energy, and it was definitely a a lot of great energy in that discussion. And if you're interested in hearing um, myself and Ash talk about The Rising of the Shield Hero Season 2 here on Strictly Anime, that's episode 95. But yeah, it was a great time talking all about Husbandos with Ash. And if you're interested in hearing that episode, that goes live on Sipping for Senpai podcast on November 30th. So only a few days after this episode airs. So be sure to check that out. And I guess we can also mention that at the time of this episode's release, we're technically in Japan. Yes, the promised land. We finally made it. 
I mean, we're not <laughs> we're not there right now not because literally we're, we're recording, we're recording this episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, so <laughs> kind of like your name, we're we're playing with time right now. But yes, I guess physically, once this episode is out. Our asses are currently exploring Japan. And I think we're going to try to visit the staircase from the very yes. end of your name. <laughs> I think it's in the Shinjuku district, uh, and it's located next to a shrine. Uh, and Shinjuku is one of the areas that we are planning to explore. So hopefully we can we can find it in the metropolitan jungle that is tokyo if we do find it we're gonna try our best to recreate that iconic scene from the ending of your name i'm sure there are a lot of people who flock to that site (laughs) and try to recreate we're not gonna be the first and i'm sure we're not gonna be the last but if we manage to do that then we'll be sure to share a picture of that in our discord so if you're not a member of our discord the link to join is in the description but let's get into it let's talk about your name um how should we start? Do we want to do like overall thoughts and then go into some of the finer details? Or do you want to kick us off with your synopsis? Because as everyone knows, when we do our normal reviews of anime shows, we do episodic reviews. But when it comes to movies, it's a little bit difficult um, to break things up into clear acts. So we'll talk very high level about the movie um, and just kind of go into different aspects like characters, story, animation, etc. I guess uh, along those lines, we can just jump right into it. Uh, So I won't keep all of you hanging on a thread any longer. So it's time to come crashing down right into our synopsis and discussion for Your Name or Kimi no Nawa, the 2016 Japanese animated romantic fantasy film written and directed by Makoto Shinkai and produced by Comix Wave Films. Your name revolves around a small-town girl living in a lonely world who pulls a Freaky Friday and swaps bodies with a city boy born and raised in not Detroit. The pair develop an unlikely relationship across the time-space continuum until city boy discovers that small-town girl is actually no-town girl since it was obliterated by Comet Cars three years ago during the town's Bunkasai episode. Determined to save her from the X-Men apocalypse, City Boy travels to the remains of Small Town Girl's crumbled abode and gets turned up on her very local brand of sake for the chance to finally meet her in the metaverse. Although they succeed in stopping Comet cars from Thanos dusting the town, Small Town Girl and City Boy unfortunately forgot to exchange business cards and instead struggle with faded memories to recall their past lives as star-crossed lovers. Until five years later... When that missed connection turns into blissed perfection, as Small Town Girl and City Boy learn to don't stop believing, and, despite going separate ways on a Tokyo stairway, greet each other with open arms to close out this interstellar journey. If only they wore name tags the whole goddamn time. So what were your overall thoughts on your name? Again, knowing that it's a rewatch, knowing that you kind of expected or went to the movie expecting everything because you've experienced it before. Um, how was it rewatching it? And again, like what were your what were your biggest takeaways from it? So actually, unlike you, I didn't remember a lot of this movie. Like I, I knew that it had to do with time and it's been 
maybe three or four years since we first watched Your Name. Um, so it was, even though it was a rewatch, it felt like I was kind of going into it for the first time. And I think above all, this movie just has a really interesting concept, again, with this relationship through time. The only similar film I know of that kind of shares this concept is uh, it's called The Lake House. Uh, I feel like I've seen that. Is that the one with the letters? Yes, it was. Uh, who was in it? Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock. It was like their first time or first team up together since the, the Speed movie. <laughs> that boss movie? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think in that movie, it's like there's these two characters that are that live two years apart, but they send each other leather letters through this mailbox at the lake house. Um, so I don't know, maybe Makoto Shinkai was possibly inspired by that movie. Although I think I was reading that he was more inspired by things like Interstellar by Chris Nolan. Um, and I guess that explains the whole comet aspect of this movie. It definitely has like a space and time feel to it, but more of like a spacey feel. Like mm-hmm. every time I look up to the stars, I mean, it's gorgeous the way they animate the night sky, but it feels very space like versus like magical at least that's Mm -hmm. the vibe that i got yeah and i guess almost like interstellar uh it has this really nice blend of that those those scientific aspects while also mixing in the these supernatural occurrences to make something together in the form of fate between these two characters uh but also alongside that i think this movie is almost like something out of a Disney Pixar movie. But I feel like anime films in particular carve out this special niche where there is a maturity along the fantasy in the story, which is about teenage love, minus all the baggage of teenage love. And that's why I enjoy watching anime films. Like Disney Pixar films, they're great, but I feel like anime films are a nice hybrid of what those films offer alongside the more spectacular films or or films with deeper themes like Chris Nolan's Interstellar. And especially, I, I love Your Name, and I, I just love watching this the second time around. How did you feel on our second watch through? I loved it. I, I think I actually liked it more the second time around than the first time. I, I remember scoring it very high on Mal um, after my first watch, but I, I almost feel like I walked away from the second watch with more appreciation for the actual story. I was able to focus a little bit more in on like the themes around the threads and the flow of time because I think a lot of that the first time went over my head just because I was so fixated on the romance part of the movie Um, which is still very compelling, but it's nice to be able to, again, take that step back and look at every aspect of what's going on and how it all plays so well together. And I think one of my favorite parts about Your Name is that the concept is pretty simplistic. There's nothing extremely convoluted about the story. It could become convoluted, absolutely, but the way that the team approached it and kept things pretty not service level, but more high level 
um, with enough context to at least build a really nice story just made it such an easy watch. Um, I made compare it often to A Silent Voice only because A Silent Voice is my favorite anime movie of all time. But both of these are fantastic movies where one, again, is like more of an easy watch, like easy to digest. Um, you're just kind of a along for the ride. You're just, you know, there to experience the journey versus like A Silent Voice where it can get really heavy. It can get very emotional. Not that your name is not emotional, but like mm -hmm. it's, it's such, it hits you harder um where you know it kind of takes a moment to decompress afterwards here it's like you watch your name and you just feel so good by the end of it you walk away feeling like i've just experienced something beautiful i've experienced something emotional but not in a way that wrecked me <laughs> the yeah. way a silent voice kind of does at certain points yeah i was gonna say like this is a feel-good movie but on a a much different level and we actually watched another of Makoto Shinkai's films that we reviewed here on Strictly Anime. You can check that out in episode 21, that film being Weathering With You. And I think that film was meant to be a sort of spiritual sequel to this film, especially in utilizing more supernatural concepts to craft this love story. But I, I kind of... I'm kind of happy that, you know, I, I kind of reset my Makoto Shinkai mindset by rewatching Your Name because I feel like Your Name deals with all of these things in a much more, not deserving fashion, but or I guess a, a much more satisfying fashion than what he did in Weathering With You. You know what it is? Your Name does not have all the drama that like weathering with you had yeah like it has conflict true. right like the conflict is is the main issue of like how do we save mituha and the entire town from the meteorite that falls mm -hmm. but there's no drama i think the closest you get to drama is mituha's dad and like her yeah. wanting to leave this small town but again it's just so very high level that it doesn't it doesn't wear away at you. It doesn't sit heavy on you. Like you, you experience it, and you need a bit of drama here and there. Um, you know, it's it's, it's a spice, the spice mm -hmm. of the anime movie. Uh, but it's not anything that takes away from that light feeling viewing experience. And I think it was also just the ending of Weathering with You. Such a good ending! Holy shit! No, Weathering with oh, You. Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> I misheard <laughs> no, yeah. you. No, yeah, the the, the your name, <laughs> the ending for your name, I feel was it just brought everything together and was was satisfying to watch weathering with you's ending i'm not going to spoil it but something didn't sit right about how the things that are happening in the world in that movie are concluded to also provide closure to the love story and and with those two characters from weathering with you i feel okay to, to clarify i'm saying the ending is so fucking good for your name. We'll, we'll mm -hmm. definitely talk more about it. But yeah, love the ending. Love the way this movie, you know, just kind of wrapped itself up in a very satisfying way. Let's talk a little bit, though, about characters because there's not many to talk about. It's pretty much Mitsuha and Taki and then I guess some of the friends. Yeah, I mean, it's it's as straightforward as you can get. Uh, I like that there wasn't this overflow of characters. There were just enough to drive the story forward 
for Taki and Mitsuha. Um, I don't know. Were, were there any notable outside of the pair that you liked in the movie? I mean, I liked everybody, um, but that's because they were so simple. There was mm-hmm. nothing to be offended by. Uh, I would say all of the friends um, on both Mitsuha and Taki's side. So I think the, the major ones, I'm pulling up the list of characters here. I think on Taki's side, it's Senpai and then his one friend, Tsukasa Fuji. The guy with the glasses. Oh, and then the other friend is Shinta Takagi, but he doesn't do much. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on Mitsuha's side, it's Tessie and Teshi. Sayaka. Tessie. And I guess to a certain degree, like her sister and her grandmother. But mm. here, here's the deal with the supporting characters. They're all plot devices. I think we can mm. all agree they're all plot devices because they're pretty flat characters that get little to no development. I don't know anything about them. Like, I really don't. I think the mm. one who probably gets the most screen time and maybe the most development is the senpai because she has this, like, fling with Taki slash Mitsuha as Taki. And then by the end of it, five years later, gets married. I guess that's cool. Um, she also goes along with the one friend, um, Fuji or whatever, to... Uh, with Taki to see search for Itomori. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's not like anything she does is entirely pivotal. She's just there to like be moral support. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these characters it, at the end of the film, it's like you get to see the where are they now. But yeah, there's not much context to, I think they called her Okudera or her, her name is like Miki. Uh, like who she's married to, I forget it's implied that it's one of the friends, I think. Uh, I didn't catch that. Oh, oh, wait, sorry. I'm reading here on the, um, the Wikipedia page for your name. According to Makoto Shinkai, I believe that Tsukasa is engaged to Okudera. Oh, oh, there you so go. So <laughs> maybe you, you just have to infer it from the goings-on in the movie. Uh, but yeah, sh- she was mostly there, like you said, it, uh, as, as Taki's sort of crush. But I think he comes to realize through her that, you know, maybe they might not be the right people for each other, especially since Mitsuha had set them up on the date. Uh, And then that's where you start to realize, oh, he actually has more feelings, like true feelings for Mitsuha. Uh, And then, yeah, the grandma is just there to provide like the the fantastical exposition. She's the wisdom of the, the film. Right. And then the sister's just there to... Uh, to out Taki every time he touches yeah, her Yeah, <laughs> to reinforce the running gag about the, <laughs> about boobs. the boobs. So yeah, you're right. It's like these characters are just there as as things to move the story forward. And But it's fine though. I do want to yeah. say it's not a bad thing because I'd rather focus on Mitsuhan Taki. When, when it's a movie and you have that many characters and a huge you know plot line to kind of progress forward... It's it's sometimes okay to just say, look, the the supporting characters are just that they're there to support the story and the main characters, and that's all you're gonna get. Because I almost feel like if they were to have given more screen time and character development to these supporting characters, that like it would have just taken away time from everything else that's going on. So I'm not mad about it, but there are sometimes with certain shows or movies where I do get annoyed by it um, because you feel like. The, char- the supporting characters could play a more crucial role and therefore they deserve more development. But here, like, they're playing smaller roles, therefore you get less development. But I think the one that 
this movie was pushing the most, like in terms of like side character development, is uh, Mitsuha's father, who I guess is the mayor of Itomori. It, it the movie builds up that he has an estranged relationship with Mitsuha and her grandmother, because um, I guess he's the in-law that married into the Miyamizu lineage. And so he's not so attached to the cost, the culture and traditions of what the grandmother and her family are doing. Uh, like, I feel like the movie tried to wrap up that relationship by the end and show that Mitsuha had repaired her relationship in some way with her dad. It just wasn't very clear about how she did it. I, we didn't need any of that. I think you could have easily taken out the drama with Mitsuha's dad and it would not have changed the story. Because yeah. if you think about it, um, it starts off like he yells at her to stand up straight because he's the mayor of the town. Okay, mm -hmm. like, yeah, that's fucking annoying. And then I guess she says, like, I'm so frustrated. I want to leave this small town. I want to go to Tokyo. But you could have had any reason for that. She wants mm -hmm. to pursue a career in a certain field that's only easy to pursue in Tokyo. Or she's just tired of the small town feel and wants to, you know, spread her wings. It didn't need to be because her dad is, like, annoying, which it, yeah. it wasn't even entirely because of that. And then you have the end part where she needs to convince her dad um, that... They need to evacuate. Well, they were kind of already successful with the evacuation until it got stopped. So if you just take out the father part of it, you could have just said, well, they were successful in evacuating people because they had this big scheme that they came up with. So it's like hmm. they didn't. And then on top of that, and this is kind of like a, a, a story point that kind of bugs me a little bit. You have that pivotal moment for Mitsuha where she confronts her father because she needs to convince him. Um, but you don't even see it. Yeah, that's it's what just, I was. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was getting at. It's like the movie wants to bring closure to this relationship, but we don't see why. We only see the effect. or how. We don't even right. see the how. We just know that the effect was the, the father like eventually conceded to Mitsua, and then that's what saved the town. But it, it just kind of leaves that hanging out there. Like, did Mitsua actually get closure with her father, or was it more just like? okay, let, let's do what you think. I think he feels remorseful for like treating her uh, in such a way, especially since what she did miraculously saved the town. But yeah, that, I think that was one side character plot that the movie didn't flesh out too much. It should have just made the decision to either remove that entirely or like go all in on the dad stuff. Um, that sounds weird. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Mitsuha and Taki. Let's start with Mitsuha because I feel like Mitsuha plays. Let me reword that. I feel like Mitsuha is a character where we learn far more about her in this film than Taki. Like while they're mm -hmm. both the main characters, she steals the spotlight many times. Like we get her backstory. We get that family drama with her dad. We get her frustrations about wanting to leave the small town and go to Tokyo. Um, so she feels like a slightly more rounded out character than Taki. Uh, but with that said, like Taki still plays a pivotal part and I, I really enjoy his character. But did you feel the same? Do you feel like Mitsuha got more, I don't know if it's like screen time or writing or what than Taki? You know, it is. It's, it's kind of like those moments in TV shows or films where it builds up the story of this character 
only for them to be ripped away in some tragic demise. Uh, I, I think Mitsuha is definitely the heart of this movie. And seeing her, like, kind of, like, we always see, or like we see most of the, the events from her perspective in the first half with her and Taki switching bodies. Um, and like I said, she sets up that, that date with, with, uh, Taki or between Taki and, uh, Miki. And she has to question her friends about like what she did the day before that was so odd. And uh, coupled with us knowing that she wants to get out of this podunk town in the Japanese countryside, uh, it's all of these things that make us empathize with her. And then we learn the tragic thing that the comet ended up destroying the town and she was a victim to it. And so that places us, in, like that forces us to root for Taki because we know that Mitsuha is just such a wholesome girl that she definitely, like she deserves to be saved. Um, so I think that's why the movie played her up so much in the first part so that we could get that satisfaction of their relationship blossoming by the end. Yeah, that's a good point. Like if if we weren't so emotionally connected to her, would we feel as compelled as Taki in saving her? I mean, either way, like, yeah, if you can save somebody from something tragic like that, definitely do it. But I think uh, Taki's crucial role here is the hero of the story. Mm-hmm. Like he, he may not be uh, the, the main focus or... Uh, rather, he may not have as much spotlight as Mitsuha, but he is definitely the hero of the story as he works to save Mitsuha and the other town members who die in that accident. Um, but you get, I guess, like a little hint about who he is before all of this starts. Like, he seems to be slightly rough around the edges. We get hints that he's gotten into fights um, and has a quick temper because people mention that and he's got that bandaid on his cheek. But really, there's you don't see any of that. They just kind of tell you. But like mm-hmm. that doesn't even come to play later. He doesn't get into any conflict with anybody except the dad. That's it. It's the only time. Like the dad was only there for a hot second in the first half. No, no, no. When, um, when at the end, when Taki is in Mitsuha's body and he charges, not charges, oh, but you're like talking about her dad. goes to her dad to okay. try and convince him and then like storms up to his desk. That's the only time you really get a sense of like his quick temper. So again, they're telling you these things about him probably in an attempt to give him more of a well-rounded feel, but none of it actually makes a difference at the end of the day. But it's he's still a very well-written character because I didn't need any of that stuff. Even mm. without any sort of backstory or context about who he really is, I still love his character. They gave us enough about like his, um, his personality and his drive to want to save Mitsuha and the town that like that enough was uh, for that was enough for me to be sold on him. I think Taki overall was just a good character. I don't know like the best way to describe it. I keep thinking of the word lukewarm, but I don't think Taki as a terrible protagonist. Because, um, yeah, like we're, we're not privy to really like if he does have this super rebellious side, although I think he's pretty chill in a lot of the scenes where he, we see him in his proper body. Uh, so it's not like we're detracted from rooting for him or that he, he kind of, like he's too much of a of like a, a shonen protagonist and like feeling so defeated about trying to save Mitsuha because he clearly does his damnedest in trying to piece together what happened in Itomori and 
finding a way to reconnect with Mitsuha through the ritual at that uh, nature shrine. So I, I guess, like to compare him with characters like Takemichi from Tokyo Revengers, I think the the movie provides enough about Taki, or like you said, he has most of the virtues and ideals of of the hero of the movie in running after the girl of his dreams. And he's not a crybaby. <laughs> <laughs> I did appreciate that they gave us distinct clues about when the two of them switched bodies because that probably could get confusing at times. But I think it was pretty obvious with Mitsuha because she would kind of, you know, behave a little more tomboyish. And also she would not wear a thread in her hair um, in her normal hairstyle when it was Taki in her body. And then on, th- on the flip side, um, I don't know if Taki had any like visual cues like that as far as like what he was wearing, but as but in terms of like his behavior, you could tell it was Mitsuha, like higher pitched mm-hmm. voice, very feminine movements and behaviors. So it was it was distinct enough where you could tell, okay, we are in a switched body scenario versus like a normal body scenario. Moving into story and writing, I think we've talked a little bit about this already. Um, as far as like the story, again, being on the simplistic side, but not diving too deep where everything. So I, I would say it strikes a nice balance where it is deep. It's deep enough for for the story to feel compelling, but it doesn't dive too deep into everything where things like pacing and development for the main characters are sacrificed. And I think that's, again, why it's such an easy watch and why it's so captivating and moving without feeling heavy at the end of the day is because it, it has that nice balance. Yeah, I think the, the central thing about this movie is, like, to, to take the, the literal thing that the grandmother works on, like the threads of fate or sort of the, the ties that bind us. Uh, and I think threads is just something you see a lot in this movie, not just with the the actual fabric threads, like also with the comet. I, was it the the comet Tiamat and its tail? It almost seems like the comet too was threading together this relationship between uh, Taki and Mitsuha. And even when they have their initial meeting on the train, uh, it's Mitsuha who offers her thread in her hair to Taki and there there is a literal and physical or literal and metaphorical representation of the things that are tying them together yeah you're absolutely right threads are a huge piece it's probably the biggest metaphor that we get in this movie and it plays into timelines time branching timelines all of that because you're right like the when we first see the grandmother weaving threads she tells yotsuha the, the younger sister you need to listen to the threads before you can understand them um and i think it might be on the journey to the like shrine in the rock mm-hmm. um where she tells the girls like the threads are a way of communicating with the gods and a braided thread represents the flow of time that the gods control because time is always sort of weaving and, you know, in and out of things. Um, and then again, like Taki wears the, the, the thread that he received from Mitsuha, like what, three years prior. And he sees it as sort of a lucky charm because again, it's what ties him to Mitsuha. And of course, you, mm-hmm. the, there's always that, 
um, that common theme of like the red red string of fate between two individuals. Is that the right term for it? That's the first I've heard of it. Yeah, red red thread of fate or red string of fate. It's essentially the idea of like two characters being bound together by fate. And then you always see kind of like a red string like tied on either like a pinky finger or an index mm. finger between two characters, again, representing that connection between them. I also kind of felt like the comet had that same theme. I think you alluded to that, that the comet almost represents another stream of time, another stream of fate, because... I feel like with the idea of like the woven threads are timelines that are weaving and interconnecting when the comet splits at the end, it's almost like a branching timeline, mm. especially when there's like multiple pieces flying Some through the Avengers air. Shit. I know it makes me think <laughs> of Loki immediately. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, th- I feel like that might be sort of that, like the branching timeline between the timeline of Mitsuha being killed versus the timeline where she is saved um, by Taki's efforts. And then I, I do want to comment about the idea, the, the whole concept of Taki and Mitsuha switching bodies and being able to transcend time because she's moving forward in time and he's going back in time when they switch bodies. That's one thing that I feel like was not flushed out at all in this film. They never tell us why or how that's happening, but I'm okay with it. It's one of those things where like, you don't always need to know every detail about a story. Sometimes you just, it's just happening. Like mm-hmm. you could chalk it up to the gods that the grandma's, the grandmother's talking about just decided this was what was going to happen in order to allow Taki to save Mitsuha. So I'm fine with the fact that like, really, we don't know anything. The characters don't know anything. Nobody knows what the fuck is happening. The grandmother even said like, this has happened to me in the past. It's happened to Mitsuha's mother in the past. We don't understand it, but it just happens and it's allowing them to do what they need to do. I think an offshoot of that is obviously this is a story centered around love, but I want to say that the, the with the way like all of these supernatural occurrences are going on in this film, you could say that <laughs> there's a theme about like finding your soulmates um, between Taki and Mitsuha. Um, I think a lot of that is sort of hinted at with again like um as i mentioned before taki finding miki like having this crush on miki but uh realizing that she's probably not the one for him not just because of that age difference but you know like he doesn't connect with her as well as he does with mitsuha even through their sort of freaky friday encounters oh freaky friday yeah that's right um you can also see it through Mitsuha's backstory with just her father, like him marrying into the, what was it again? The Miyamizu family. Uh, but then him not really bonding with their cultures and traditions and him wanting to go off and do his own thing, uh, which I don't think that was the cause of uh, Mitsuha's mother's death. But you know, you can kind of see that sort of clash in their relationship. So with those kinds of examples in mind of Taki and Mitsua having... Mitsua? Mitsuha? Mitsuha. <laughs> I'm thinking of the <laughs> Japanese grocery store uh, here in the Chicagoland area. But as you have these examples of a sort of unfulfilled love 
in both Taki and Mitsuha's lives, you have the the sake uh, from the Miyamizu tradition. Uh, I think so. There was, if I remember, it's like when they went to the shrine. They it was like leaving. It was like Mitsuha leaving half of her own soul at the shrine, and that's what Taki picks up, and that's what, kind of what brings them both together. Yeah. Yeah, it was leaving half of her behind. I do feel like, though, with the romance, um, I know I talked about, like, pacing and, and everything and this this movie tackling a lot. I did want more from the relationship development between Mitsuha and Taki. I definitely felt the romance. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm, I, I ship them. I love them together. But I need to, I needed to experience it a bit more. Like, I, I just kind of felt like... Um, a lot of it was focused on like just the quirkiness of switching bodies with somebody and like, you know, trying to keep their life together um, while, you know, trying to figure all this shit out and like the notes they were leaving each other and the dates they were setting up, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But then, um, I don't know, it just like the love happened based on feeling, but I didn't like get to see anything. And it's probably difficult because you can't have them interacting in person, but like, I don't know, maybe like leaving notes to each other about, you know, trying to get to know each other more, um, learning more about each other um, and like getting more sentimental with each other. I don't know. Like I just I wanted more from that. I wanted to be able mm. to experience more about how their romance came to be. I think that was all sort of relegated to that montage in the middle of the film that was set to music um, by the Japanese rock band Radwimps, who composed the music in this film. Um, and yeah, it was just mostly all comical things. Like we see both characters in the swapped bodies trying to do their best to keep up the facade of being that character. Uh, so I know like through there, it's sort of establishing with the audience. Like there are times where each character is like, this is what you have to do to be me. And giving them tips and advice. And then, of course, there's all the comedic things like uh, Taki grabbing <laughs> Mitsuha's opai or whatever. Um, I think, yeah, a majority of the relationship is kind of built into that and just peppered with other moments throughout. But I think it's just, you know, with anime films, you have a certain runtime, so you can only do so much. I thought it was what they did was adequate enough for the relationship. But you know, if if this were like a full-fledged series, obviously you have more of the bandwidth for that. No, I definitely agree. Like I, I again, I felt the love. I was convinced by the romance. But, you know, I like to I like to see that. You know, I like to see a romance develop and blossom. Um, but either way, I, I think that what we got, I agree, was adequate. There were some other pain points though that I had with um, what they chose to add and not add, probably because of the runtime um, and it it kind of caused the believability factor to fall a bit low at certain points. So for example, like the entire time we're going through the sequence of them switching bodies and like trying to figure out each other's lives. I'm just sitting there like, why did it take them so long to come up with the idea of calling each other? Of course it intentionally took long um, for the sake of the story flow because you needed to have that, that foreshadowing dropped when mm -hmm. Taki tries to call her and it says the phone line is disconnected. Um, 
but I, in my mind, I'm like, logically though, <laughs> realistically, yeah. that would have been one of the first things I do is leave my phone number in his phone or vice versa so that when they wake up, they call me right away. Um, or write down their number or memorize their number so when I wake up on the other end, I can call them. We already talked about like how Mitsuha convinced her dad. We don't see that at all. Um, and, and I kind of think that's a shame because if you're introducing this idea of a major challenge for her character, you know, is to overcome all of that buildup about her dad. And then we don't even get to see how she convinces him or even get to see how they evacuated everybody at the end. It just suddenly is like, it happened. And here's the result. Like, I just think that's a bit disappointing because mm -hmm. again, you're, you're building all this up and then you give us nothing at the end. I kind of like that we don't actually see the town saved except through, uh, I think it's through Taki's eyes. Like he reads the news articles or watches the, watches the TV, uh, watches the news on TV and sees that the, the timeline has changed. Like I, I like that sort of reveal where it comes more as a surprise, but to your point about the father, like that would have been better to see firsthand sort of as this prodigal moment for him where he realizes the error of his ways and, does want to rebuild his relationship with Mitsuha. And not, not only for him, but also for her. That's a critical moment for her to mm -hmm. drum up the courage to be able to face her dad, which apparently is like a very difficult thing for her. I don't know. It just uh, it felt a little bit rushed or fell a little bit flat for me. I also kind of feel like when Mitsuha, I guess Taki in Mitsuha's body, goes to Tessie and Sayaka and says, guys, we got to do this thing. Like, we need to blow shit up. We need to we need to break and enter and basically do things that are going to get us arrested. It did not take very much convincing for them to believe him as her, and then they just like went into that shit. Like that's a lot to ask. Like, yeah. can you take can you steal explosives from your dad's job site? Basically, like risk getting arrested and put in jail so that you can blow up the transformer or whatever it is and shut down the power to the entire town, probably for a hospital as well. I imagine there's probably a medical facility that would be impacted and like people's homes and whatnot. I don't know. It just like it, it didn't take much convincing, which again, runtime wise, we probably didn't have enough time to show how they were convinced, but then it leaves me as a viewer kind of like, well, okay, there's only so much suspending of my disbelief that I can do. Yeah. It's, it's an anime love story, I guess. <laughs> so you have to issue all the logical things. And I guess not that this is really a rationale, but maybe Tessie and Sayaka were just already so flabbergasted by how erratically Mitsu has been behaving in this whole span of time that they were just like, fuck it, let's go with it, even if the, even if this isn't going to end up being true, which thankfully it was true that they had to save the town. Yeah, I guess when it comes down to it, it's either believe Mitsuha, even if it's a stretch, and save people's lives, or don't believe her, and then people could potentially die. <laughs> like, I guess if, if life or death is part of that situation, you err on the, the side of caution. I want to call out one moment, though, um, that just leaves me stunned. It gets me every time I watch it, even though I know it's coming. And it's probably my favorite part of the whole movie is when Mitsuha is about to write her name on Taki's hand and then abruptly disappears because that that certain like time frame they were talking about, I can't remember what it was. Um, oh, it was like the Twilight. Yeah, the Twilight. Not, not the Twilight movie moment, <laughs> but the actual Twilight moment. Like the Twilight hour of some sort. Like that, that time frame that they had to cross each other's paths 
it had ended because they said like, oh, it's almost up. But you you expect it to be like, oh, she writes her name, but then she slowly fades away. But here she's like in the middle of writing her name and then boom, she's gone. The mm-hmm. The marker falls to the ground and that's it. it. Like I said, it gets me every time. I think it's such a cool piece of writing in this movie um, because you're just, as the audience member and as Taki as the character, you're all just kind of ripped out of it for a second. And you're like, oh my God, wait. Not yet. Like you're just like not yeah. yet, please. Tugging like at your like heart seconds strings. more. We just needed seconds more. Um, it was fantastic. But let's talk about the ending. Like the ending, I guess, post town being saved. That's all kind of the ending, right? Yeah, well, a couple more things I wanted to comment before that. Um so with that twilight moment, obviously I think Taki is the one who suggests that they write each other's names. But then when Mitsuha is discouraged when her father doesn't believe her or or like the town, like the plans for that she had to rescue the town go awry, um, she looks at her hand and realizes that Taki wrote, I love you, which yeah. is, is a great like uh, gushy romance moment. But why would Taki say, let's write our names on each other's hands and then just end up writing that? Well, I think that was his moment to confess to her. He had been, because before that, they had stopped switching bodies. And so he goes on this journey just to switch bodies with her one more time in order to Mm. save her. So he's probably thinking like, shit, this is my, this would be my one chance to confess to her. And he was probably expecting to have a little more time, like write, you know, skida on your hand. She reads it. And like they have a really sweet romantic moment. Mm-hmm. But again, you get the abrupt disappearance. Yeah. And it just is like, I imagine he's also thinking like, holy shit, wait, I needed just a few more minutes. <laughs> um, so I, I liked it. I, I thought it was a really interesting way to confess. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it, it made for a very gushy moment. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and just uh, this is something that I I feel like I've seen in a lot of these romance films in anime is that there's always this scene where the protagonist runs after the love interest, or I call it the running after the girl, except here it kind of flips the script where it's Taki in Mitsuha's body, and they're trying to link up with each other at twilight. And so it becomes this sort of running after the quote-unquote boy thing in this movie. Y- yes well because i know like well like, they their body swap, swapped yeah they, they, their bodies swap to their proper <laughs> the souls go into their proper bodies at that twilight moment but before that again it's taki as mitsuha reaching that point and i guess vice versa uh so yeah it just it kind of takes that run after the girl trope and, and spins it on its head tell me i'm wrong about that trope it's it's everywhere. It's yeah. definitely a part of every anime romance movie. So on to the ending. What were your thoughts? How did you, did you like the ending? Did you not like the ending? Because I feel like it could be a pretty divisive ending. It, it, it infers a happy ending for the two main characters, but they go five years like they forget each other entirely they go five years without actually seeing each other like there's this huge disconnect that happens between the two of them when they've completed their mission of saving the town and saving mitsuha so i feel like that could be maybe a sore point for some people versus like a very clean happy ending um but again when they do see each other it's like you don't even get what happens next 
did you like that or did you not like that? Yeah, that part where after the town is saved and their memories just start to fade, like I, I found that part a little bit odd. But I guess the more I reflect on it, it it sort of sort of shows that even though Taki and Mitsuha's memories about each other have faded, something is still bringing them together where they recognize each other in the passing train. Like again that that mixed connection and you know it I'm glad that they did end up seeing each other at the very end. And it's sort of like they have to reintroduce each or do introduce themselves to each other, which makes it the 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 whole movie seem so poetic, especially with the title being your name. Um, but I guess yeah, it took a while for me to really understand why have their memories fade. But I think again, it's just the the ties that bind us together are still stronger than what is trying to keep us apart. I feel like it's also, so let's say it's like the gods, right? Who made all this happen uh, because they control the flow of time. They control everything. Can you imagine if they did remember everything? They'd be like, mm-hmm. holy shit, there's some like super supernatural shit going on in the world. They probably needed to lose their memories in order to continue living like normal lives. Mm-hmm. Because if you came back from something like that, like you drank some sake and then fucking transcended time and space because you're not even in your own <laughs> body and like saw someone's memory. I mean, that is some trippy ass shit. Mm-hmm. But for them to lose their memories as much as that sucks and as much as I prefer that didn't happen, I understand why it happens because it allows them to go back to being normal people. Because mm-hmm. if I had that happen to me, I feel like I would pursue that for the rest of my life, trying to convince people and see if anyone else had that same experience because that would be absolutely wild. And it kind of brings something full circle. Uh, I forget who says these opening lines. Um where it's like once in a while when I wake up, I find myself crying. The dream I must have had, I can never recall. But the sensation that I've lost something lingers for a long time after I wake up. I'm always searching for something for someone. I think the opening sequence is spoken by Mitsuha and Taki. Okay. Because it's actually, I want to say it's present day, like in yes. the future. Because you see Taki in his suit. I think you see Mitsuha in like a pink outfit. So they're already in Tokyo. This is mm-hmm. after like everything happened. They're reflecting on... I guess the past that they don't even remember. Yeah. But I guess the ending sort of just brings brevity to that opening line. So did you like the ending then? I I liked, I guess I just liked that they hooked, uh, they hooked, they up, hooked up. They, they re- reunited <laughs> yeah. with each other. So you like that it at least left some level of satisfaction. Mm-hmm. It's just that again, the whole memory thing is it, it Getting from point A, how they wanted to get from point A to point B with the faded memory thing is a little bit questionable. I would say I normally wouldn't like this type of ending, but I thought it was perfect for this movie. I I like a very, I don't know, maybe that makes me boring, but I like a very clean, satisfying, like happy ending to a romance. So I'm thinking about like other romance anime where it ends before the characters like become canon or like just after they become canon i'm like bro can i get a little bit of time with these characters canon when i've gone through this whole fucking journey but here like you said there was something so poetic about it Mm -hmm. i didn't necessarily like that they lost their memories but i think it was a good decision 
for the way the, the story played out. So yeah, of course, in my head canon, in a perfect world, I'd be like, they remember everything. They've, they've been together the whole five years, blah, blah, blah. But it wouldn't be a very poetic ending if it happened like that. Mm -hmm. So I can certainly accept the way it unfolded. Um, normally, again, like I would feel a little unsatisfied by them just saying, what was your name or what's your name? And then the movie <laughs> Who just- Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> and then the movie just ending. But here I'm like, it, it was just so poetic. It was just such a nice way to kind of wrap things up. And I think they made it pretty clear that they're going to be together because they constantly mm -hmm. said at the end, I feel like I'm always searching for something. Well, that something is each other and you found each other. Fate has brought you together. The red string of fate that I guess Mitsuha gave you in the beginning of the movie has now finally bound you together. Yeah, so even as open-ended as it seems with them seemingly meeting each other for the first time, you have your headcanon. You know that like we ship them and that they'll live happily ever after once they find out their respective names. <laughs> <laughs> So let's wrap up with animation and music because you can't talk about a, a movie like this without talking about the animation and the music. Right off the bat, I have to say, gorgeous animation, mm -hmm. high production quality, as to be expected from an anime movie, especially a Makoto Shinkai film, but it just looked so fucking good, especially anytime the comet was on screen. There was just something about the color palette that was like this great blend of just um, you know, simple everyday shit with like these gorgeous colors that made you feel like you were like there was another um like you were transcending something, right? Like you kind of got that sense of them experiencing this like the very... metaphysical. There you go. Yeah, metaphysical. Um so it was like a, a really cool blend um that I thought worked so well for this film. Yeah, I mean comics wave films, I believe they've worked on all of Makoto Shinkai's major works. Um, previous ones before this movie, The Place Promised in Our Early Days, five centimeters per second, uh, and obviously Weathering With You that we that was released after Your Name. Um, but yeah, just like, and you know, I think every anime film that I've seen so far, the animation has just always been top-notch and there's no difference with this one, uh, especially like, the the stellar no pun intended lighting um animation of characters even when the i want to say a lot of mitsuha's movements were rotoscoped especially with the traditional dance that she does with her sister it it didn't take you out of those moments uh visual effects of course with the comets as you mentioned i also like that you have these sweeping rural landscapes whenever we are focused on mitsuha's story and it's contrasted with all of these bustling urban environments. So I, it's, I would say it's a, that was a big undertaking for this team to have to animate these completely different backgrounds. But for them to do it within the context of the story showing two different worlds, it really makes you appreciate it all coming together and seeing the beauty of the story unfold. Music-wise... The first thing I want to comment on is that it's weird that we're getting a traditional anime OP at the beginning of an anime movie. Like, yeah. I, I feel like that <laughs> rarely happens. Like, you do get the musical opening sequence in a lot of anime movies. Like, again, I'll bring up A Silent Voice. That had a music sequence, but it wasn't a true OP style opening um, to mm. the movie. It was like, what was that 
that song talking about my generation. Um, and it was like showing the main character as a kid and just like it was giving context to the main character in that opening sequence um, while also giving us the credits and shit that it needed to. So it played a a, a crucial part to the story here it, with a, well, almost a silent voice here with your name. It felt like a, a, a real OP like you could just probably mm-hmm. cut it out of the movie if you wanted to and it wouldn't um, ruin the flow or take away anything. Because there were imager- images of things that were not going to show up until later in the film anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's almost like uh, just seeing title cards in a regular movie. Uh, I'm, I don't know. I'm thinking of like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films. Yeah, kind of like that. Like, yeah. And you could slice it out of there, remove it, and it wouldn't really change anything as far as like the story. Because mm-hmm. it was just like... It was almost like a break in what you were watching. It wasn't horrible. I didn't mind it, but it was just a very odd experience for an anime movie. And as I mentioned before, the music for this entire film was composed by the Japanese rock band Rad Wimps. They've collaborated on uh, collaborated with Makoto Shinkai many times. Um, so again, this movie was no different. Uh, Notice there was a lot of just simple but varied piano tracks, uh, sometimes strings involved. So kind of just typical for what you'd expect out of a romance film or an anime film. Uh, the song that you are referring to as the quote-unquote OP of this film was Yume Toro, uh, translated as Dream Lantern. Then I think that mid-movie like montage where the, the characters are, Taki and Mitsu are switching, swapping bodies, is called Zenzen Zensei. Or past, past, past life. Uh, then there's Sparkle, which is the song that plays during the the running after the boy scene, where the there's piano. actually yeah the na 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 na. I think that's what most people are familiar with in this movie. And then the ending song is Nandemonaya, or it's nothing. Again, all of these are performed by Rad Wimps. Um, I kind of forgot about Sparkle because I feel like the one thing I love about well, Weathering With You is the main song for that film, which is, is there still anything that love can do? Uh, but Sparkle is a great song in itself. Again, it The way that it plays during the the climax of this movie wells you up with so much emotion as you are rooting for Taki and Mitsuha to achieve their objective of of changing the past. <laughs> um, now, were there any of these four songs? Did you have any any particular attraction to them? Or I mean, I like them? Sparkle, um, mm. but yeah, I think all of them were like good. I I didn't like. I wasn't compelled by any of them, which is not like a bad thing. It was great music. It just wasn't something maybe I'd, I'd throw on my Spotify playlist. Mm. But it was a perfect fit for what was happening on screen. So I, I enjoyed the, the music overall. And it's kind of nice that you got this very consistent feel with the music being from the same band throughout. Yeah. And that brings us to our final thoughts for your name. So how many say your name, say your names out of 10 would you give this film? So when I first watched it, I gave it a nine out of 10 on Mal. I would say same score. It is a solid film. I enjoyed it so much. Like there's very little downside to watching it um, as long as you're you're mentally prepared for 
again, a very, um, not a light ride, but just one that's uh, not going to destroy you emotionally like the vast majority of anime movies that have come out, especially anime romance films. I think that they struck the perfect balance with things like supporting characters versus main characters. Like, I want to just know more about Mitsuha and Taki. I'm invested in their relationship and those characters and everything that they're striving for. And you get plenty of that as the focus. Um, a good balance with telling us enough about the the lore to build that world, but not too much where it feels very convoluted. Um, again, a great balance with pacing because you get a lot of information, but it allows you to still have nice pacing because they're not diving deep into every single part of the story. Um, so yeah, I just, I walked away this time, my second time watching it, feeling satisfied, feeling convinced, feeling invested, feeling emotionally compelled, um, and just loving the story that I watched and loving the romance that unfolded. And that's really all you could ever ask for. What about you? Yeah, I don't think I gave this a rating when we first watched it because I didn't have <laughs> I didn't have Mal before. Um, but my I'm sure my rating for it now would be it, what I would have rated it back then, which is also a nine out of 10. I think your name is the finest example of a modern anime cinematic masterpiece, at least in my eyes. The, it, it has this unique concept for a love story that literally transcends time and threads together gracefully with the acting, animation, music, and direction. I love that it kind of incorporates Japanese culture and tradition with its fantasy elements, and then it sort of blends this seamlessly with the scientific elements surrounding the comet. And it suggests that as mystifying as these events may be, there is a natural harmony to it that sort of resonates with human virtues like perseverance, understanding, and above all, of course, love. I also love that... Even with minor plot holes and a limited runtime, this film can still thoroughly build up a strong relationship between two characters that never directly meet until the climax of the film. That's a really good point. That's right? a very good point. And this is something that even direct relationships in other anime films, or even just films in general, struggle to achieve. Of course, this was something I read. This film might soon get a live action treatment, which just seems inevitable in Hollywood nowadays. But I think anime was the perfect medium for the story. And the story itself was just deep enough to not be this simple feel-good romance film that a potential live action will need to live up to. So just major props to Makoto Shinkai. And as with Weathering With You, I eagerly look forward to more of his works which is actually something that's going to happen this year or i guess next year stateside he has a new film called suzume no tojimari suzume's door locking yeah or suzume's locking up i think it's currently out in japan and it's been getting rave reviews and great box office stats uh, i think crunchyroll picked up the distribution rights to it so hopefully that means it will premiere stateside in early 2023. I would love to watch that. Everything that he does is always a solid piece of work, um, whether it's your name that we really adore or Weathering With You, um, something that we still really enjoy but maybe didn't 
feel it was as compelling as some of his other works. I would say no matter what what level of enjoyment we have with anything that he creates, there is always going to be enjoyment regardless. So yeah, loved your name. Glad we finally got to review it. Hope you guys enjoyed listening to our review and reach out to us. Let us know what you thought about your name because I know there are a lot of you out there who have watched it. I mean, if you're listening to this review, you probably have watched it and we would love to hear your thoughts. And thank you guys so much for tuning in each and every week. We appreciate all of your support. Be sure to subscribe to Strictly Anime on your favorite podcast service. Join our Discord to chat with us. Follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series, on Twitter at Strictly Series, and check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com. If you'd like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash thestrictlyseries. And tune into Strictly Jojo, our other podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe. Stay healthy, stay weeb.